1: Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Sky U podcast by The Daily Gopher. Uh, I am Chris, uh, Go AU Fur, Um and I've got with me U Street. Hey, y'all. Uh, we've got Andy, GopherGuy05. Howdy. And we've got Blake, Iowa Gopher. What's cracking? All right, so just as a, a little heads up, FYI for you all, um, I had the choice of being held hostage in my apartment by my cat and having you listen to that for an hour or being on my balcony and the sounds of the city. So if you hear drunk people or car horns or horses, uh, yes, horses in the city, then my apologies. Um, With that little detail out of the way for our illustrious first show, um, we're going to go ahead and take a look at our 2017 season predictions uh, for football. Uh, as you might guess, this is going to be a very football-forward podcast, uh, what with the game on Thursday. So um, let's go ahead. I'm going to kick it over to Alex. Uh, he of the 14-0 and prediction.
2: Well, here's the thing. Every single year, I predict them to go 14-0 and because I am a fan, and I do not write for money. If I were to be slightly more realistic, so in other words, if I was going to go to Las Vegas, I probably wouldn't have us at 14-0. and I do, however, think that there is a quite a good shot that one of two scenarios happens. Either this team looks an awful lot like white speed, white speed receivers 9 and 3, or alternatively, it looks like my original draft of this, which was 2 and 7 in the Big Ten.
1: Wait, you seriously had 2 and 7 in the Big Ten?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I think there is I think there are a host of things that should terrify it, you if you're not a fan of this team. So if you're looking at them more objectively, you have two quarterbacks neither of whom could ever beat out Mitch Leidner for a job. You have an offensive line that is held together with what appears to be a very thin bit of athletic film. You have uh, running backs who made their living last year getting hit two yards in the backfield and getting out of those. And while that's certainly a skill, there's also a lot of luck there. It's unclear if we have any real receivers. Uh, Our defense is better, but it's also two injuries away from being garbage. So I think there is a very pessimistic case here that would say we're going to be really terrible. But I think similarly... (laughs) If you think about it optimistically, if you don't get injured if this team follows what was happening at Western Michigan, there's a lot of individual talent at the skill positions on offense. There's a lot of individual talent on the defense, potentially some all big Ten superstars on defense. So I could see nine and three equally. I am with Bill Connolly that I have no idea what this team actually is going to be. And as a result, Fourteen and
1: zero. I I love that the person who goes fourteen and zero also made possibly what I expect will be the most pessimistic case out of all of us uh, for for the predictions. That's that's strong, strong content there, Alex. Strong.
0: Um,
1: Andy, what do you got?
0: Well. You know, if you, uh, saw what I said in the predictions post, I said seven and five, and I'm the only one that appears to have us actually losing a non-conference game. Um, you know, I hope that's not the case, but I really, after doing a little more research in the middle Tennessee state, have, uh, some concerns about that game. Their passing attack is, uh, significantly upgraded when the last time we've played them. And, um... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how our young secondary can handle an all now out onslaught on them. Um, we're going to need a lot of quality play from them, I think, to, uh, to make sure that we win a game that, on paper, we reasonably should. But as we've learned anything, that paper gets thrown out in the garbage early in the season uh, with a team like this. Um, you know, offensively, I think we'll settle into a bit of a routine as we get closer to the Big Ten season. Hopefully, either Demry Croft or Connor Rota will have pulled away and, and taken control of the offense. Um, but I'll be pretty surprised if we see anything other than a two-headed rushing attack for at least the first two or three games, just trying to pound it down their throats and uh, outrun a lot of people. Um, the biggest thing that's going to be and I think everybody agrees, is the, the early part of the Big Ten season. Maryland here, Michigan State here, at Purdue, Illinois here. Uh, if you want to have any semblance of a good season, you pretty much have to go 3-1, if not 4-0 and oh in that stretch, because the last five games just get brutal. And while, you know, many of us out of pure spite are hoping that we can win at Iowa or against Wisconsin at home, um... As, as of right now, I don't see it, but, you know, injuries can happen the other way too. Uh, Wisconsin's already banged up in their linebacking core. So all it takes is one or two more key injuries, and those games could entirely flip. But uh, I'm solely looking at the middle of the road, hoping for a 7-5 and five right now, it looks like.
2: Can I briefly interject, Andy, to inquire? Do you think that DJ Durkin regularly uh, takes shots of Red Bull?
0: He is a a bit high strung. That is true. Uh, You look at several of the young coaches in the Big Ten. PJ, obviously, we know is just on fire. Uh, Durkin has got some, I'm trying to think of the proper word I want to use, spunk. We'll go spunk to him. Uh, Even Chris Ash, every once in a while, can pretend like he's actually, you know, not living in New Jersey. So, it's really interesting to see how uh, the coaching turnover in the Big Ten in the last two or three years has come out, and well, let's be honest, probably two or three of them won't have a job here in about two years either way. So,
2: see, like I imagine that DJ Durkin is that guy you see at a fraternity party who's not actually in the frat, but is always <laughs> at the frat all the time, <laughs> and he's also the dude who I imagine is like just randomly, like, "Hey, man, anyone want to see me shotgun something?" And everyone's like, no, dude, it's Tuesday, it's 6. He's like, doing it anyway. That's how I think of DJ Durkin.
3: <laughs> I just I just so, can't believe you guys are going to talk about energy without talking about Mark D'Antonio. I mean, that guy is just a bundle of fire. So DJ
1: Durkin is essentially the people I'm going to have walking down the street by uh, entering the podcast via my microphone by the time this podcast is done. Good to know. Uh, quick vote. Quick vote. Um, from the group before we go over to Blake here. Uh, which fan base do you think will be more incensed if uh, they lose uh, to the P.J. Fleck coached team in their first year? Do you think it's going to be Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska, or Northwestern? Who do you think it's
3: Wisconsin. the angriest? Wisconsin for sure.
2: <clears throat> Wisconsin, and it won't. it won't be close at all.
3: I mean, they hate him so much just from the show being P.J. Fleck. I mean, we've heard Andy's been scouring their message boards, obviously, <clears throat> to get their take. I mean, they just hate him. And for him to be the one to come in his first year and break that 13-year streak, I mean, it's, just, it's no question. See, I i kind of think it's going to be Iowa. Like, the Iowa
1: fans, I think, are dis- will be despondent if, he manages to win in I don't know maybe it's I have been paying attention to Wisconsin fans reactions to him because I've got more Iowa writers and thus their fans in my Twitter feed than Wisconsin people but I don't know I feel I would say Iowa Yeah
0: you know I think Iowa's probably the leading candidate to that the the, the trick with Iowa and Wisconsin is we do play Iowa a little earlier so, depending upon what type of season they're having, Wisconsin, the caveat is, if we can pull off another 1993 or, or 2003 ruining Wisconsin season, PJ is going to be what Bielema was to us. They are going to hate him with a passion, and which will set up a lot of fun for the next few years. That would be glorious.
1: I would... That. Please let that happen. Please, please, please let that happen. All right, Blake, predictions, what you got?
3: Okay, finally, <clears throat> my turn here. Um, I think it's just, it's just so hard to predict what's going to happen in a coach's first season. I think it goes back to something we discussed offline earlier is how we always tend to think with a new coach everything's going to improve. Whereas what Alex, what Alex talked about was um, injuries, you know, to the, there's no depth on uh, in the secondary on the offensive line. But we think that, you know, because we've got Ed Warner coming in from Ohio State, he's going to get the most out of the offensive line, even though they've got, you know, maybe six or seven people that he trusts to go in that rotation. Um, it's just hard to know. And, like, especially with teams like Maryland and Michigan State on the schedule and maybe even Iowa, you just don't know how, how good they're going to be compared to last year. I mean, Michigan State was god-awful and they're still they're losing a lot off that team from last year so you just don't know how long d'antonia is going to be down but yeah, it's just it's weird um to look at this team like i'm not knowing what what to expect especially after a nine-win season but and that schedule as andy said is just brutal in that last stretch stretch i mean three road games in the last five games and they're at iowa michigan and northwestern and i mean with northwestern i still have nightmares of that you guys remember that blonde kid for Northwestern the last time they were there they had like a like a voodoo dance going on the sideline. I still have nightmares from that when they lost like twenty seven zero. Um so that last that last half of the schedule is just gonna be brutal. Um but again it's just it's just hard to know how much improved this team's gonna be. I mean, I don't think they're one 1-11 bad compared to like what PJ had at Western Michigan when he first started, but um really it's just like they've got a really low ce- ceiling but a really low floor but a really high ceiling, so I mean, I, I expected when I made these predictions to come out like six and six, seven and five, but I guess I'm an optimist and came out with eight and four.
1: Yeah, I had that. I had, I'm, You guys have said a lot of what I would say. I, I had that trouble too. Like, it was a combination of I'm naturally an optimist and I want to pick good things because this is, you know, I'm a fan. I watch them. I want to watch them win. I don't want to watch them lose. Um, and at the the end of the schedule you know in your heart is is tough but the overall schedule there's just so many teams on it that like you your your fan side of you just wants to go oh that's a win and not put any mm. other thought into it like oh middle tennessee state automatically a win ignoring the fact that you know they actually have not just on paper for this year but like historically over the last couple years a strong offense and you know, oh, that's a win for Michigan State because they were terrible last year knowing they could totally be not the same team this year. I mean, i really thinking with all the turmoil that they probably will be, but we'll see. Uh, maybe that's just hoping again because I'm going to be at that game. But, no, I think you guys all raise good points. Um, as I said in my uh, preview, I put 7-5. and five. That's because I'm blindly hoping we beat Wisconsin because we really need to beat Wisconsin. And, honestly, 6-6 six and six is... I'll be totally fine. Like I don't remember who, which, who in the comments. Apologies if you're the person I'm quoting without quoting. Um, uh, said you know, four wins they'd be disappointed. Five wins they'd be okay. Six would feel pretty good. Seven to eight would be excited, and then nine and above would be super, super, super excited. I mean, I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty accurate. Like four wouldn't. I wouldn't see the end of the world if 4 happened, It would, but it would bug me because, like, uh, it wouldn't be that fun of a season. 5, well, somehow, in my head, I'm just thinking is okay, and 6, where I'm predicting it is, you know, obviously I'm okay with that.
3: Well, and the thing, too, about um, if they if it does go into, like, the low end of, like, 4 or 5 wins, it just feeds into that narrative because everyone's coming in. I feel like a lot of people are coming in with maybe unreasonable expectations. I mean... I can understand, you know, Street's point of view where it's it's year one. You really can't have that, that high of expectations. I mean, he's, he's going to build this roster the next couple of years, so year one in the long run is really not going to matter that much. But you can just imagine that the feast that the media and some fans are going to have if he goes, you know, three and nine or four and eight, it's just going to be like, oh, I mean, we brought him in here with it. He took a nine-win team, dropped him down to three or four wins, and it's, they're just going to have a heyday, and it's going to be, I mean, a short-term headache because I assume I, I f- have faith that he's going to build up the program to where he wants it to be in the next three or four years, but it's just going to be like, it feels like we're going to, we'd go through another of those rebuilding scenarios where we see all those Brewster comparisons again. Yeah, that'd
1: be, that'd be not ideal.
3: When
0: I see the worst case scenario, honestly, at least from a PR standpoint being five and seven, because our APR is good enough that five wins probably gets you to a bowl. And we all know from what we've seen from the, uh, PR and the media coming out of the U. So far under the Fleck regime that they would hype the living crap out of that, even at five and seven going to a bowl. And don't think the Twin Cities media isn't just waiting to roast them if that would be the case.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's a fair point. They. Yeah, yeah, and then you'd get yeah that could get ugly because then you get like this random like oh they're hyping oh look at we made it because of our academics and then you get people who are going to hang out and say well. Those aren't all your academics, and you're hanging on kill, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it'll be. So we're agreed, then. We just need to win 14 games.
2: Yeah, I mean, that would solve all their problems. Let's spot, just just for fun, that the Gophers win less than six games. So let's say they win five. But the way they win those five games and the way they lose is uh, really competitive. So the reason why they're losing is similar to when they lost to Iowa a couple of years when Iowa was really good, where they lost the game, but they ended up only losing by a score, and it looked like for most of that game, the Gophers were actually the better team. Do we think that the narrative of the team going forward is, oh, there's actually something happening in Minneapolis, or do we still think this is going to be you know, not elite and whatnot? Not Elite.
3: Not Elite.
2: Probably not Elite, but... Oh.
3: I just think I, I, I think to... that the fan base as a whole is kind of beyond the moral victory aspect. I mean, it just feels like we've been through so many rebuilds where it was with either Brewster or um, Kill that it was just like people kept saying, oh, you know, just have faith. You know, they're being competitive at least. That's better than we used to be, whereas... We've won, what, eight, eight games in a season out of like the last three or four seasons, and people think we're beyond the point where moral victories mean anything. So, I mean, us, us as kind of like the diehard version of the fans, I think we'd obviously um, take some solace in being competitive, but I think at the end of the day, people are just going to look at the win-loss record and say, you know, he took a nine-win team <clears throat> and dropped him down to like four or five wins, so...
1: Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure if it would be a problem in the fan base, but I have no doubt that, in general, the not-elite sentiment would come pretty hard from the usual corners in the Twin Cities media. Uh, it's an easy narrative. I don't I get it. I think it's, it would be annoying, but... Um, and, and I'm not saying no one in the fan base would, would be that way. I definitely think, you definitely, anytime somebody brings up, well, here's the reasons we should feel excited, we, get, we would get the no moral victories chant from a, a sizable section of the fan base but I'd be I'd be more apt to think the media would have a have a, have a time with it. Alright, um, so real quick question, my, my own little mini poll. Uh, if the worst happens uh, in a game this year and, and we are forced to ponder bleach, instead of bleach what is your uh, libation of choice to drown out the outcome of a bad gopher loss? Andy, we'll start with you.
0: Uh, I'll just drink. Uh, you
1: know what? I have no idea. You took me by surprise here. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens when you ad-lib, friends. Don't ad-lib off the agenda because you thought you had a good question. It's a bad idea. You're going to have a when bad you- time.
2: When you say drinking bleach, are we to assume <laughs> that we're drinking something similarly gross? So, like, I want to drink something because I just want to die right now because it's obviously Miller Lite.
1: <laughs> well, I guess what I was trying to say was, if you were to consult, if you were to get a hold of yourself enough to avoid drinking bleach, what would you choose? It doesn't necessarily have to be gross. Um, I mean, for me personally, uh, that would be um honestly i'd probably go at the woodford reserve that would be it's a you know it's not my best bourbon uh but it gets the job done uh and i'm happy to consume it in quantity because i can buy more of it at a relatively decent price um so that would be my approach probably because um, i wouldn't want to break into any of my good beer and i don't carry miller lights so i'm a snob like that
2: Well, that's fair. Let's see. If I wanted to immediately forget the loss, then I think I would just really go fast on two Long Island iced teas because I left college a few years ago. I don't really have a tolerance anymore. So I would wake up somewhere between 16 and 37 hours later and just sort of imagine it was all a bad dream.
3: And Looking see, I'm, to of, start. I'm the type that kind of ponders like the In those situations I just kind of sit back And ponder the meaning of life And life, my life choices So it's just hard for me to drown it out I just tend to like just soak it all in And let it just destroy me Which is probably not best But you know, we do what we do
2: So is that like a Coors Light? Like you know you're making a bad decision <laughs> But you're just having it for a while? <laughs> <laughs> Coors yeah, Light so with, when
3: you want to Coors stew Light. in
1: your sadness and drink it all in. I would agree with that. Coors Light. Oh, God. All right. Now that I've ad-libbed and taken uh, taken us off base and, and left Andy uh, probably cursing me in the Slack chat, uh, back to the agenda. What are we looking forward to in 2017? I mean, cause, I mean let's be honest. We don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea. Uh, this could be a great season. This could be a terrible season. This could be an average season. Um, but for me personally, anybody who's been reading anything I've been writing um, knows that I really enjoy the energy that PJ Fleck is bringing to the program, not just as a marketing side, but as just, he has fun. Like it's what he does when he, he meets the other teams, he does gymnastics stuff. Like he has a good time. And I find that exciting because I'm a guy who wears Zubas. I, to games, I, these are meant to be enjoyed. This is meant to be, uh, uh, you know, an escape from life in a sense, not, you know, a burden. Um, so I'm looking forward to a lot this year, but um, even if we aren't winning. So wh- before we get to me, though, uh, Andy, what are you looking forward to in 2017? Well,
0: I think the main thing would be, and obviously this isn't going to happen because A, it's a gopher team, and B, it's a young team, would be trying not to lose to anybody you shouldn't lose to. Um, you know, I'd be perfectly fine if we can go 500 and win all the games we should, and there'll be toss-up there or two and lose the games to the teams that are better than us. But let's not go out and lay an egg in West, Laf- West Lafayette and get harbored. Um, let's not lose to Illinois at home on homecoming. Let's, you know, win those games you need to win. You know, let's make things be entertaining. I think you're going to see, you know, some entertaining football, especially as we get later in the year, because once the quarterbacks gain a little more confidence, I don't think this uh, this coaching staff is going to be afraid of airing it out every once in a while. Um, and with our front seven on defense, you're going to see a lot of exciting play there. I'm really looking forward to watching the uh, the D-line and the linebackers have uh, fun with inferior offensive lines. But, uh, you know, the one thing that would just drive me crazy is losing losing one of those games we shouldn't and that's those are the ones that always make you go to the uh the bleach or kura's light or schlitz light or any of the above
1: all right uh street what you got
2: i would agree with andy that from a pure excitement standpoint the nice bit i think in year one because you don't have expectations is that from a program standpoint, it is also a time where you can experiment in ways that you cannot experiment in year three and year four. On the defensive side, I am led to believe that Rob Smith has been putting in a ton of really exotic blitz packages. I think he's changing a lot of stuff where people are being positioned, what the point of attack is going to be, where things are coming from. Is this a 4-3 defense? Is it a 3-4 defense? Those things, I think, are really exciting because they continue the good parts about the previous regime on the football field. It was a team, especially under Jay Salva last year, that when that team decided we're just going to blitz and we're going to play cover zero or cover one, or even if we're in quarters, it doesn't really look like that, and we're just going to go nuts the quarterback, that team was incredibly fun to watch on defense. I think similarly on offense, I'm really excited for bubble screens. I'm excited for being willing to actually both look at the field vertically but also horizontally, recognize that geometry is a thing. I think it's hard not to be excited about the individual players who are going to play running back for the Gophers this year, Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks. I think they're both going to have great years, regardless of the ultimate results. I think they will continue to have really solid years. I think Rodney Smith potentially is a late-round draft pick, especially if he has another really good year. So those are the things on the football field that I'm excited about. Off the football field, I totally agree with Chris. I find it impossible not to be excited by P.J. Fleck, in part because I think it is physically impossible for him to care about how ridiculous he looks to Minnesotans. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean that as a good thing. You have someone who is going to come into an area and is going to say, what I need to do is sell 17-year-olds on my football program. And he seems phenomenally good at doing that. And I think if in year one, and the reason I asked this question earlier, if they only win five games, but they win five games in a really interesting way, it might not help the fan base, it might not help the media, but it should help recruits because recruits are on a lag. And so if you say, hey... You can come, you can get playing time, and look at what we do. Look at what this team can become with you on that team. I think that's a pitch that a lot of recruits are willing to buy when it comes from P.J. Fleck. So that's what I'm excited about.
1: Yeah, I think for me personally, that's definitely a lot of it. I, I try to think and, and think about when was the last time we? It, you get so used to uh, an offense at Minnesota that is very focused on the run game, but uh, the run game in a traditional Big Ten format or what you think of as a Big Ten format. It's what you know. It's what we got from uh, Mason. I mean, I don't. You know, Brewster tried to. You know, different things, but. None of nothing about his regime sticks out as like, oh, offense. Other than we all make fun of Jed Fish and wonder how the heck he's being listed in the top coordinator lists at the beginning of the year because he's a moron. Um, you know, and kill and and clay is just again more just you know, three yards of cloud dust kind of stuff. I don't know what I'm gonna do when I see a bubble screen or read option operated in a way that has you know short passes as a run game I just I don't know like I I remember watching Western Michigan play against Wisconsin and it's a different style of like play calls like coming from the sidelines at the last second all 11 guys looking back like I I don't know what I'm gonna think I'm gonna be excited I just it's gonna feel weird I'm going I really wish I got to see it in person honestly instead of on TV but um Honestly, this time of year, like I, I even get more excited about the the, the little stuff, the intangibles. I think about, um, you know, what I get excited about the hype videos, blessing, and the video team working out hype videos, and and just getting to see all the different ways that they'll sell wins during the season. Like, what what happens if we win some games we're not supposed to? How is that going to play under a, 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 a team that a media team and under a coach that really want to sell the program. I think that could be really exciting for fans to to watch. I'm, I'm interested to see if they try to do any behind-the-scenes stuff um, with the video team during the season, you know, kind of like brick-by-brick brick only with their branded Cub Foods All Access or whatever they've got going now. Um, and, and I'm really excited to see if they keep that going and build excitement through those through those channels. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's football. We, we are officially now let's see 24 36 we're like 42 hours away from football i think at this point um gives you a sense of what time we're recording this anybody who's listening so 42 hours football it's here it's awesome um let's see is Uh,
2: there chris is there a player uh that's going to be listed on the current depth chart right now which i think got released today Is there a player who you're looking for to have not necessarily a breakout game, but a if that player has a really good game, I'm going to be excited for the season versus if that player has a bad game, I'm going to be even more nervous than I might have been before.
1: I will be honest and say this is the moment where I noticed something in our Slack chat and had to hop back. Can you ask me that question one more time as I look like a fool?
2: Yeah, so I noticed the depth chart came out today. Uh, We were talking a little bit before this podcast about how how I am unable to say any players' names. But in general, and for the group, for you specifically, is there a player that you're looking for with this first first depth chart that you think, if that player has a really good game, then that's going to be exciting for the rest of the season. Or alternatively, if there's a player on this team that has an absolutely garbage game, uh, I'm going to be even more pessimistic than I might have been otherwise.
1: For the love of all that is holy, Demry Craft, I would like to see you absolutely steal QB1. I have nothing against Connor Rota. I have nothing against him. He seems like a great guy. Um, nothing but a good team player. I have no, there's no no reason that I want Demry other than I think Demry's ceiling is just higher uh, because of his athleticism and, uh, you know, his ability to, to be a little more mobile. Um, if he's able to come out against Buffalo and just absolutely steal it, that would be fantastic. Uh, by the same token, I would love to see Rashad still just, you know, he's obviously not wide receiver one on any, on the depth chart right now. Um, and we all know it's not because of a talent thing, and I, and I don't mean that as a negative thing, like saying the kid doesn't care or anything like that, because I don't think that's true either. I think he's been put in a tough spot. I think we know wide receivers have had a tough transition. Um, you know, we all, I don't think I'm alone on the podcast right now in thinking that Brian Anderson was not a great wide receivers coach for a multitude of reasons, and I think some of it had to do with his style and how It made some of his players um, react and feel. Uh, And I think still is probably an example of a guy who's dealing with that. Um, But I would love for him to put it together and and be the kind of player that you know Coach Fleck and and Simon want him to be. Um, And really, you know, that he deserves to be, that he deserves the opportunity to be um, for all the time that he's put in. As far as you know, a guy who's maybe doesn't has a bad game. I don't know. I'm too much of an optimist to think that way. I think I'll let that one. I'll let that one go. I think. Um, does Andy? Do you have any depth chart thoughts? You know, it sounded like you weren't too surprised by anything you saw.
0: No, looking at the depth chart, I think it pretty much makes sense from everything we've been hearing out of practice. Uh, the only oh, thing that I
1: oh, we may have lost Andy.
0: Uh, I'll,
2: I'll cut in for oh, I'll cut in me? for okay.
0: Andy. All right, there's you Andy. Back, Andy. I'm here. Technical difficulties, aka forgot to take the mute button off. Um, so you know that shows you how well we're doing tonight. Anyways, uh, talking about the depth chart, taking a look. Um, you know, I think it it looks pretty self explanatory from what we've been hearing from practice. It looks exactly how things are going. The one thing that I found slightly interesting, um, and we'll have to see how PJ actually reacts to what they put on paper a couple of games before what we actually see in the game. cony uh, Durr is listed right now as second team cornerback. From everything we've heard, Durr is still a decent ways away from being able to really participate in a full game action. He's still kind of running with a little bit of a hitch, not full speed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, is he really going to play second team cornerback or did he just want to get listed on the depth chart ahead of several of the true freshmen uh, who may see action over him on Thursday night, and that may be something that Coach Fleck just wants to do, Um, not listing true freshmen on the depth chart unless absolutely have to. As you can see, there are a couple of true freshmen on the depth chart. Uh, Andrews at uh, one of the offensive line spots, and uh, I saw a couple other ones uh Chris Ottman-Bell is listed as one of the backup wide receivers uh Demetrius Douglas will be starting at one of the wide receiver slots so I think uh you know for me what I'm going to be looking forward to and we may not really get a full idea against Buffalo we may have to wait till Oregon State is to see how Carter Coughlin does starting in that rush end spot um you know, I think we'll have good pressure on that rush end, whether it's Coughlin or whether you see Blake Cashman or Tan Devers going in there in the pass rush. But can Carter Coughlin stay in there uh, and really defend against the run from that spot? As he's definitely undersized for, uh, for a defensive end. Um, but then again, Winston dela as we'll try not to slaughter his name, um, is it's about the same size as Coughlin. Actually, if you look at the depth chart, he's listed as 6'3", 247, Coughlin 6'4", 245. So both of our defensive ends are, are relatively undersized for defending against the run. So I think that's something that we'll really want to watch going forward against a team that's more, of a, more likely than Buffalo to try and run it down our throats. Um, as it's that's something that obviously as we get later in the Big Ten season against teams like Iowa and Wisconsin will be huge. Can we can we really do an effective job of stopping the run? Um, the other thing would be looking at uh, Keandre Thomas right now listed as one of the starting cornerbacks along with Antonio Cheneau. Um, Keandre, his redshirt freshman, going to be making his first. Collegiate appearance on Thursday night. Um, you know we've heard things about him, but we haven't seen him in any action. Can he? Can he really look confident back there? Can he really take grasp with that starting spot? Or are we going to see uh, the Gophers have to flip a few people around in that in that secondary to try and find the uh, the group that's really going to end up being our core group come Big Ten time.
2: I'm also really interested in how Carter Coughlin plays the end in part because I'm interested in how Rob Smith wants to use Carter Coughlin. So, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, if you're a 4-3 team, that presents a very different universe than you're a 3-4. And in the like magical world in which this defense is incredible, the thing that would really be interesting is you have Steven Richardson holding down the interior of the defensive line. Well, he's not Vince Wilfork, and I'm not going to compare him in that sense. But if you compare sort of the ideal 4-3 or 3-4, it could be either. That's kind of what you're thinking, that Belichick Patriots defense from a few years ago. And a lot of that somewhat relied on the ability of their linebackers to, as you said, Andy, be able to stop the run when necessary, but also to just get after and beat uh, tackles. Carter Coughlin has been a linebacker forever. He's claimed that he's learned a lot from Coach Pop, and that's going to help his technique. But it is interesting to me to see what do those players do, the ones who are, in essence, out of position or are learning a new position. How quickly have they evolved and learned from what this new coaching staff is trying to tell them, both on defense and on offense?
1: Good stuff. Sorry, I just realized we had a silence there. I tried to fix it. Um, all right, so depth charts. We've talked. Sorry, I'm checking our agenda as drunk people wander by. Um, okay, specific thoughts for the Buffalo game. Um, I, For me personally, um, I really hope to everything that we're able to just run all over them. I mean, clearly their their run defense last year was... Horrible, bad, horrible, 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 unbelievably horrible bad. Uh, So bad that I'm not actually speaking in proper English as I try to describe it. Um, So I really, it'd be great to see us just absolutely demolish them and be able to set things up to do whatever we'd like um, offensively, you know, really get the run game running the way we want and then be able to institute the passing game and try a bunch of stuff. I know that's probably not going to happen. It's the first game. Um, the offensive line, you know, may need time to gel. All those kind of things. But boy, that would just be glorious. I, I honestly, have we had a game since Mason where we've totally demolished anybody running? Like we had. I mean, the Iowa game we totally demolished them back in 2014. But I don't recall it necessarily being a game where we just ran them over. It was a game where we we kind of balanced attack them into submission have we had a game since mason where we just charged over somebody with two running backs
2: i mean how do you want to define the chris strieveler experience against san diego state
1: i will exclude the chris strieveler experience only because that was a quarterback running which as we know is uh offensive you know to the football deities Um, that's not how we're supposed to run over people
2: I don't think, I mean, they always wanted to. I mean, clearly that was the identity of Kill, and then later, if there was an identity to Jay Johnson and Tracy Clays' offense, that was the identity that they were trying to go for. Sort of like someone bought a $5 Halloween costume and was like, I'm a cat. The, (laughs) I think that they, they haven't really had that kind of game. I would love it if they had that kind of game, but I would also love it if the person who was running all over everyone was Kobe McCrary because Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks were hanging out on the sidelines.
1: That's, yeah. You know what? I would also be good with that because if we can set our starters after the first half because we're up 72 points, that would also be totally acceptable. Um, I don't know. I really want to watch him run all over everybody. As much as as much as I'm excited to see the new passing game and and things change in that regard, that would be my big thing. Andy, what are you hoping for to see on Thursday?
0: Uh, you know, I think Thursday we're, we're all we're all hoping for a blowout. I mean, I think that's fairly obvious. Um, I'd like to see the front seven create absolute havoc. I'd love to see some forced fumbles, some uh, some sacks. I'd love to see some interceptions. Um, you know, Fleck is all about turnover margin, so I'd love to see our defense force three or four turnovers and the offense protect the ball and not turn it over at all. Um, I'd love to see the same thing with the running game. I'd love to see, you know, Rodney and Shannon each get about 100 yards by mid-third quarter and then let Kobe take over for the rest of the game if possible. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see both quarterbacks, how they fare and how much uh, how much Coach Shiraka lets them freelance Um, you know, how much passing we see out of each one, or if it's going to be more just game manager type, uh, and then what, what receivers each quarterback seems to favor. Uh, we've heard nothing but great things about Tyler Johnson so far this spring, um, and this fall. Can he continue to, to blow up and become the number one receiver that the Gophers, uh, hoped he could turn into? Or are we going to see Rashad still come back and make a resurgence after slipping a little bit this fall? Uh, or is Dimitri Douglas gonna take over and, and, and run with uh, the opportunity that he's got as a true freshman? Um, you know, going back, watching the line play, who starts at offensive line? We've got the depth chart in, but obviously there's uh, gonna be a lot of shifting around trying to protect players, making sure that you try different combinations. Uh, who seems to be the most effective there. So all in all, just sort of see, hope that everybody has a really solid, good game. Um, you know, I think we're all in pretty much agreement that Buffalo's not going to really tell us much. Uh, we really should pretty much dominate them. It's just a matter of doing what we're supposed to and then moving on to Oregon State in a week, which looked a lot more daunting before uh, their game against Colorado State last Saturday.
1: I just want to let everyone know, from a people-watching perspective, I have two drunk people trying to tickle fight in the middle of the street right now, uh, and now they've moved to making out on top of, I don't even think that's their car. Nope, pretty sure that's not their car. Okay,
2: just so you all what, know. What kind of car is it?
1: Uh, it's one of those douchey Jeeps with the soft top, and it's painted a hideous yellow. I'm sorry if that's the car that you, the listener, have. I don't care for it. It looks like something a bro would drive. Um, so maybe it is this dude. I don't know. But tickle fight has turned into inappropriate PDA on top of a car. Um, that's, if this sounds interesting to you in any way, I'd like to put in a plug for the uh, Chamber of Commerce of Cincinnati, Ohio. They would like you to come down uh, whenever you feel free uh, to, to hang out by the river and watch people have tickle fights and then turn into makeout sessions on cars in public.
2: Hey, man, at least you're not Detroit.
1: Oh, also we're not Detroit, yes. Um, or Pittsburgh, because fuck Pittsburgh. Uh, that's what uh, – all right, so with that fine interlude, I'm sorry. I just I, – I couldn't turn away. I couldn't turn away from what was happening beneath me, uh, beneath my balcony. Um, uh, let's go ahead. I'm going to – let's kick it over to Blake, uh, who had some audio difficulties but is back with us. Blake, what are you looking forward to for Thursday?
3: Uh, I mean, Street and Andy kind of pretty much covered it. And in a game like this, I'm not expecting it to be a close game, obviously, with, with how bad Buffalo was last year and how bad they'll probably be this year. So to me, the, it's just two most important things are to one, win, and two, stay healthy. Because the last thing you want to see, especially in the secondary offensive line, is someone go down in a game against Buffalo. Um, and be lost for multiple games, especially maybe during the conference season. So, um, and in terms of everything else, I'm looking forward to, you know, the passing game. I wasn't a huge fan when Flex said it was going to be, you know, co starters, but listening to his interviews, I, you know, I kind of get the logic behind it because neither one really has legitimate game experience. I mean, Rhoda probably with that Maryland game last year, but I mean, he was just asked to basically do the bare minimum. And I mean, he did, to his credit, he got a road win, but I mean, You've never, neither of them has game experience in this offense, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how they handle the quarterback rotation and see if they, you know, if they stay with the hot hand or if they're going to go, you know, every two drive, every two drives or every quarter. So, um like the rest of us, I'm hoping, you know, Demry takes the reins. Yeah, nothing against Kindrota, of but I really hope that, you know, Demry is a sophomore. He's got that athleticism, and from what we've heard, he's really kind of stepped things up this offseason. So. Um, I'm really hoping he kind of takes the reins during the game, but uh, yeah, I mean, other than what Andy has hit on, it's just about, you know, health, victory, and, you know, I love a good blowout. Some people always want to see a good game, but in a situation like this, if I can just relax for four quarters, enjoy some golf football, and see maybe something I haven't seen before, um, I'll, I'll consider it a victory in my book, so... Yeah, i got to be honest,
1: uh, since I'm watching from home and will be writing the game recap or the instant recap, I don't think there's a single game I've watched in my time with the blog where I've written an instant recap where I've had the thing written before the fourth quarter even starts. Um, Like, I would love to have a gamer just completely knocked out, ready to go before the fourth quarter even starts. That would be absolutely amazing. Because that's a blog life problem that, frankly, no one should have to deal with, having to rewrite a st- I have a lot of respect for beat writers who have actual deadlines uh, when they get their game recaps ruined. Because um, I do it for fun, uh, and it drives me crazy. So, Gophers, please, you know, give me that. Just once in my life, give me that.
3: i say the closest thing would have been probably Indiana State last year, but even then, they didn't, they score like three touchdowns or something in the third or fourth quarter to kind of make it a little awkward. but
1: Yeah, and you you know what? Actually, I probably did have that one written. But we're going to pretend that I didn't because I made a bold <laughs> statement. So bold statement requires that that never happened. That game didn't didn't exist. Um, real quick, I'm going to hit everybody with some yes or no questions for things for this game. This is not on the agenda, but I think you all can handle it. Um, do we have two 100-yard rushers on Thursday night? Alex yes Andy yes Blake
3: yes Connor Roda
1: and you <laughs> know, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be It's gonna be
3: it's gonna be Rodney and uh, Shannon
1: all right I agree I I do believe we have two 100 yard rushers on Thursday night
3: uh, do we force
1: three or more turnovers Blake I'm gonna say no three sounds like a lot okay Andy
0: I'm going to say yes. I think our defensive front seven is going to create a lot of craziness. Street?
2: If a quarterback trips over his own feet, did we force that?
1: Um, only if we have a, somebody rushing free in the coming at him in the backfield.
2: No. I think Buffalo will have four turnovers. We'll force one of them.
1: So you think their quarterback is basically going to throw three balls away or that the running backs are just going to what, like toss it into the air and say, here, have it?
2: I think it's going to look a lot like the Illinois game from last year.
1: Okay. Uh, Do we run any trick plays? Street?
2: No, we're super base.
1: Andy?
0: I think uh, PJ will throw one bone to the fans, but it's not going to be too
3: crazy. Uh, and Blake? You know, I don't think so. I think it's just, it's just too early, and it's not the opponent for it. Okay. Last question.
1: Will the new intro video be the most elite we've seen yeah. since taking uh, the move to TCF Bank Stadium?
3: Blake? I mean, I think so. I mean, expectations at this point are going to be pretty high. I mean, I don't think PJ is going to let us down. So I, I'm pretty confident it's going to be good. Okay. Andy?
0: I'll say no. I think expectations are too high, and it will be good, but it won't be the
1: best so far. All right. Street?
2: I have already lost my security deposit because I ran through a wall just thinking about it.
1: Fantastic. Sorry, and one last question. Uniform combination uh, in your in your mind. Street?
2: <sighs> Don't care, just win, but probably white and gold.
1: Okay. Um, Andy? Andy? Gold helmets,
0: gold jerseys,
1: maroon pants. I thought you might. I thought you were you pondering full banana.
3: Maybe Blake, what do you got? Um, just first, I'd like to say I'm disappointed that Wildcat's not here because I think this is a question she'd really enjoy because um, I know how much uniforms mean to her. <laughs> um, but if I had to guess. I would go I don't know, I'm gonna go full maroon maroon tops maroon pants maroon helmet.
1: I bet you they go anthracite with the maroon helmet. That's my guess.
2: Can we ponder for a second how amazing it would be if, given that Michigan is going like Michigan banana, if P. J. Flex scooped it and told no one ahead of time and then ran on the field drinking milk with elite enthusiasm <laughs> What? Why milk? Jim Harbaugh drinks milk, and he attacks each day with great enthusiasm. Usually while drinking milk, I feel like PJ just like wants to set one up to to one of his <laughs> one of his future future rivals.
3: And he puts he puts a pair of khaki pants on a on a flagpole and sets them on fire and runs out of the tunnel with them. I like that.
1: <laughs> okay, um, this is a random question. So, uh, but it just came to my mind. I'm running with it. Who do you think pisses off other coaches more? A guy like Harbaugh, who is a complete, like, won't, he, he doesn't follow certain standards. Like, he's very much a standard coach in some ways. Like his, As much as he bitches, that's pretty pretty standard. But he comes to media day wearing fucking khakis and a t-shirt, basically, and his little hat. Like, being that way and being, like, totally, like, salty all the time, yet awkward? Or do you think it's somebody who's got way too much energy for compared to some other coaches like Fleck, but who also does the, I'm trendy and can wear really cool, you know, things the kids wear these days? Um, Which one do you think uh, bothers other coaches more? Anybody?
3: I would say Harbaugh Harbaugh by a mile, because he can't have a normal conversation. If you watch him at Big Ten Media Days, like he can't answer a question. It's just like there's just no talking to that guy. It's just like you're talking in circles. It's like he's living on another plane of existence, and that would just drive me nuts. I just feel like, I mean, you picture like the rivalry between him and Urban Meyer. I just can't picture them having a conversation together. I just think that has to irritate him. Like the, who knows what he's gonna say when you go to the the midfield to shake hands after the game. But, and I mean, he's had enough antics with that, like with Pete Carroll doing that at the end of the game. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, so I think it's got to be, it's got to be Harbaugh just because he's so weird and just he's so antagonistic sometimes, too. Whereas PJ is always very like coaches like PJ are just, they're optimists, very energetic. He's not going to say something outwardly negative or try to like antagonize you. He's just, he's just being himself. Whereas Harbaugh feels like just, he's being himself to a degree, but he's trying to get under your skin as well. I don't know, Andy. Do you have a, uh, any thoughts on that? Um,
1: it's
0: it's Harbaugh, but you know, I think most of the uh, reasons were just laid out there. I think PJ, while full of energy, is still much more relatable to some of the other coaches. I mean, he was just quoted in the media last week talking about how he's striking up a pretty good friendship with Paul Christ, and I'm guessing Paul Christ isn't necessarily having that same conversation with Jim Harbaugh. <laughs>
1: I'm actually trying to picture Paul Christ and PJ having a conversation. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm struggling. It just feels like Paul Christ would sit there being Paul Christ to be Eeyore just kind of like, do, do, do. and then there's Tigger bouncing around him all excited about something. that's how I, that's how I picture that conversation going. Um, we were, uh, kind of, we've had a good, a good run here with podcast. We were, Um, there's a lot, I think for everyone, you're going to hear us talk about more than football. Um, certainly obviously in the winter when basketball goes, but here in the fall too, um, you'll hear us spend some time talking about volleyball. Soccer has actually been off to a great start too. Um, but this has been a very football focused, uh, start. Andy, to, to kind of close us out. Do you have any, uh, thoughts, uh, about volleyball? I know you were, you were hoping to get some words in there.
0: Well, I'll just mention it pretty quick, considering we've gone fifty-five minutes away, and I can hear people clicking away back to their uh, spreadsheets right away right now. But uh, yeah, I mean the the Gopher volleyball team uh, started off preseason number five in the country, and after beating the eleventh-ranked team in the country and Louisville uh, in the Big Ten ACC challenge, is now up to number two because a bunch of the other top teams lost. And uh, true freshman Stephanie Samdi, she was the player of the year coming out of Florida last year, uh, absolutely kicked ass this weekend and was named uh Co Big 10 freshman of the year and Co Big or Co Big Pl- freshman of the week and Co Big ten player of the week with Wisconsin's 6-9 freshman middle blocker.
1: Um Wait, so, Wisconsin has a 6-9 women's volleyball player.
0: Yes, she's she's 6-9. They they got her out of Northern Illinois, uh one of the Chicago burbs to come up and yeah, she is she's absolutely massive. Um, so good luck to the gophers when we play Wisconsin trying to to hit the ball around her um, but it it's worth paying attention. I mean they're arguably the best team the gophers will have all fall long uh probably into the winter too unless one of the hockey teams really impresses so uh, you know pay attention to Rachel's coverage on on the daily Gophers. she does a great job for us and she'll keep everybody updated and uh, oh oh you know. Paying attention to, to, the volleyball team. Uh, one other note: the the softball or the uh, soccer team. got sorry, I can't speak anymore. Um, who we don't give nearly as much attention to. Uh, by the way, if you're out there, and want to write about the women's soccer team, please let us know because they deserve coverage too. Um, Sydney Squires was actually named the national player of the week over the weekend. Uh, she scored five goals in two games four of them against Iowa State in 17 minutes with three of the four being scored by headers. So uh, that's damn impressive too. So somebody we should really give more attention to is the Gopher softball team's off to a good start. Soccer, I can't speak. Soccer team is off to a good start this fall.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping the video video crew has a package that they get up on YouTube of those goals um, because when it was coming through on Twitter over the weekend, I I actually thought cuz I was on my phone and anybody who does Twitter on their phone knows the annoyance that is the recently happened or whatever they want to call that stupid non-chronological flooding of your timeline with BS. I thought I was getting the same tweet like popped back into my timeline multiple times cuz it was in such quick succession but it was actually you know she was just killing it. So I'm I'm hoping there's a video package of that coming um, so that we can get it up on the on the uh, on the main page and, and get everybody a chance to to see what's been what's been going on with women's soccer. Um, all right, so we're almost at an hour. It's a great start. Uh, anybody who hasn't clicked away yet, please make sure you let us know your thoughts, uh, what you like, what you don't like. Don't be too hard on the audio quality and all that stuff. Like we're trying. This is you know we're not we're not working with professional equipment here. We're doing our best. Uh, I apologize for any of the random background noise. Uh, maybe next time you'll get to hear the horses, uh, the horse-drawn carriage that clip-clops by. That was really great in one of our practice runs. So maybe maybe next time I'll get to bring that to you. Um, before we go, last thoughts, things anybody wants to say? Handy?
0: Hey, I'm uh, just really looking forward to... Thursday night, getting back into TCF, sitting down in our seats in the uh, corner of the end zone and uh, hoping the boys put on a good show.
3: I agree. Blake? You know, I'm just happy to be here. Um, You know, thrilled to be part of this. Um, Please
2: just don't fire me after this is over. (laughs) Noted. Uh, Street? I love you all big. Everyone should follow Heather Fleck. And we'll hope to do better next time.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, thank you for everybody who listens. We, I'm really looking forward to what we can do with this. Um, the, the Hangouts a couple years back were a lot of fun. I know we can turn this into that only better because nobody will have to look at me. Um, so if you're listening, uh, again, thank you so much. Thank you for reading. Thank you for commenting. And uh, this, was, this is our first edition of the Sky U Podcast.